Sepsis, or the infection causing sepsis, starts before a patient goes to the hospital in nearly 87% of cases. Sepsis is a medical emergency. If you or your loved one has an infection that's not getting better or is getting worse, act fast. Get medical care immediately. Ask your healthcare professional, could this infection be leading to sepsis? And if you should go to the emergency room, learn more at cdc.gov sepsis. Welcome to The Shalene Show. Shalene is a New York Times bestselling author, celebrity fitness trainer, and obsessed with helping you live your dream life. So I've never done this before. I took The Shalene Show on the road. You've heard me talk about it in previous episodes. And I was a little nervous to do this. Number one, like right now, I'm in my podcast studio. It's just me. It's me and my microphone. I don't know how you respond to things. I don't know what things you find funny. I assume that we share a lot in common. So I always think that if something's interesting to me, it would probably be interesting to you as well. So it was really fun for me, number one, to record a show with people in the room and to actually hear their responses in real time. It was also even cooler. This is the part I wasn't expecting is how much I completely relate to people who listen to my podcast. I should say people who listen to podcasts in general. I think we're a different type of human being. So I always tell people if I end up having a meet and greet, the most important thing you can tell me is that you're a podcast listener because it's kind of like, I don't know, it's this fabric or thread that connects all of us. And I really appreciated meeting people who are podcast listeners. And the coolest thing ever was that the audience seemed like they were friends. I'm like, did you guys all come here together? And you just felt this like connection or click and people were laughing and having so much fun. And you could just tell that this was a great way to bring together a community of like-minded people. I also love that groups came and they made like t-shirts of some of the things I didn't realize I say quite often, I guess. And then it was really fun to meet the VIPs after the event to get to talk to them one-on-one. And we did a photo op and it was just really fun. And I just had a great time. So I want to break this into two pieces. The first part that you'll hear now is about emotional intimacy. So before I go into it, I want to share with you that like the audience was laughing and I could just tell they were loose and relaxed and super comfortable and at ease and just happy. (laughs) And then, and then, and then, and then I started talking about something that's kind of serious and it was crazy how I saw body language shifting and changing. Like people's shoulders kind of went down and they dropped their chins. I saw a few people kind of like sink down in their seats and I saw tears in the audience. I saw people kind of get sad. Not everyone, but for me, that was like, wow, this is what happens sometimes when I share a topic that's really important or that you personally want to fix an area of your life and I'm talking about it. It was so rewarding for me to be able to see people's reaction in real time. Now, it gets lighthearted in many points, so I don't want to discourage you. But this is perhaps, based on the feedback I've received since doing this podcast live, this is perhaps one of the most important shows I've ever done. I hope it saves some marriages. I hope it improves some friendships. And most of all, I hope that I get to meet you soon at one of our live shows. Those dates can be found by going to shaleenjohnson.com forward slash Shaleen Show Live. And if we aren't in a city near you, just let's make it happen. 
All we need is to know that we've got enough fans who are subscribers in the big city that's close to you. If you can organize that or if you want to put in the good word for your city, please be sure to send us an email. You can do so by writing to Show at gmail.com. Of course, keep in mind that this is a live recording in a pretty large theater. So the sound quality is, I think it's great, but it does sound different from being in a podcast room, obviously. Now, I've included a bonus episode after this episode where you can hear some of the conversations we had before I started recording. I shared the details of what goes into recording a podcast, like how I prepare for them, how I use my notes, if I do it extemporaneously, or if I'm you know, actually reading verbatim. I talked about all of that. I talked about the equipment that I use, the equipment that I use even for the CarSmart editions that I do on Fridays, and so much more. So I hope that you'll listen to this one, take some notes, perhaps even share it with your significant other, and then have some fun by listening to the bonus episode. And as always, I hope to see you soon at a live taping of The Shalene Show. Hey there, thanks so much for joining me on this edition of The Shalene Show, recorded live from the Lilly Theater in Indianapolis. <laughs> you guys are so funny. Okay. So, what I want to talk to you about tonight is intimacy. Emotional intimacy and intimacy in your relationships. We could obviously be talking about friendship too, but I want you to think about this in terms of a romantic relationship, whether you're in one or not, right? Because ultimately, I think we all want to be connected to somebody. We want to spend our lives with somebody. And maybe you've just, like, you are fresh out of that, and you're like, oh, I can't, no. <laughs> but either way, I think most of us, you know, we want, to, we want to be in a relationship. And if we're in one, hopefully, you're always wanting to make it better. I think we confuse physical intimacy with emotional intimacy. So I want to talk to you a little bit tonight about emotional intimacy, which is something I didn't realize our marriage was missing until a therapist pointed it out to us, and I was like, rude. <laughs> I'm like, first of all, we have sex all the time, so you're wrong. You know, but that's not what it's about. Um, and once I realized what it meant, it also helped me to identify when the disconnect from an emotional standpoint started. Like, and it was when Brock was three months old. And he had colic. That's our son who's 21. And he had colic. He was just the most unhappy, miserable baby. Did anyone have a miserable baby? And I would go into the grocery stores, and I, I would see other new moms, and I would make eye contact with them, and I'd say, how's your baby? I'm just praying that someone will go, horrible. But there was like, oh, I love her so much. She sleeps. And then I'm like, never mind. It was hard. Uh, so if you've ever had a child that has colic and you're a new mom, you've got those, all those hormones and you're so confused and you're so squishy. And, you know, your body doesn't feel like your own. Your life doesn't feel like your own. This baby won't stop crying and you don't know what to do and it just never stops crying. And... Brett came home one day from his job. We weren't working together at the time. He came home from his job, and Brock would do about three hours of intense nighttime screaming. And during one of the screaming fits, and we were both just sweating and just trying everything you can think of to make the baby stop crying. And he looked at me and goes, I hate our lives right now. And I said, don't you say that. No, you don't. We love our lives. 
don't say that. And you know, I was kind of joking because I was like, don't be negative was what I was feeling, but really it was probably like I vividly remember shutting down his opinion and shutting down his attempt to tell me what he was feeling. Like that was him just trying to say like, this sucks. And what I should have said at the time was, it really does suck. And I know it's going to get better. And we so wanted this all of our lives, but it really does suck. This is really hard. But like, that was early in our marriage and early in parenting. And, you know, I sent him the message right away, like, no, 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 no feelings. <laughs> you know, sugarcoat it. And I think there are many instances where I'm a positive person, so I would tell him if he was feeling something negative, like that he wasn't feeling that. <laughs> no, we are happy. <laughs> Don't forget it. God damn it. <laughs> dang it, dang it, dang it. And, and so, you know, when I think back on that, there were just other instances where we just weren't able to honestly communicate with each other what we were feeling. So I want to give you a definition of what emotional connectedness is. Emotional connect- connectedness is knowing, not guessing. Like it's knowing what your partner feels, not assuming that they like what they're doing or assuming that they don't want to do something else or guessing that this is what they want you to do. Like you know, that's emotional connectedness. It's an authentic interest. It's not a, oh, geez, I guess I better ask you how your day was. But you like sincerely want to know more about what they know, what's interesting to them. And so it's authentic. It's not something you can fake. Emotional connectedness is having a deep understanding of their past and how they bring a lot of that with them. Because that gives you a deep level of empathy, right? So that's also a really big component of emotional intimacy is that you have a profound empathy. It's not like you just, it's not that you just don't have a compassion for them. It's deeper than that. You're like, I feel where this is coming from. I feel for you. It's a feeling of safety where you can honestly and openly say what you feel and what you think and what's happened to you and, and know that you won't be judged, know that that person won't take it personal. Emotional intimacy is kind of having a blind, almost a blind trust. Even when they do things that make you mad, you know it wasn't intentional. You for sure know it wasn't intentional. That's a trust. And then you're on the same wavelength. Like, you're just like, yeah, we're, we're on the same page, and you can just feel that without having to talk about it. And emotional connectedness is like, it's a deep, deep heart feeling. That's emotional connectedness. Why did you guys get so quiet? <laughs> it's serious stuff. Um, some signs that you might be emotionally disconnected. Uh-oh. <laughs> you feel very guarded about your needs and what it is you want and what you're feeling. Like you just don't feel like it's something the other person's gonna hear or see or understand. You do things out of guilt. Like this is my marital responsibility. This is something I should do because we've been dating for five years, right? It's like you're bringing flowers because it's your anniversary, but it's not something you really wanna do. You're doing it out of guilt. Does that make sense? You know that your emotional disconnectedness has gotten pretty bad if you're beginning to resent your partner. Like you're pretty angry. Like you should know this stuff and you're not. And, and that's a 
dangerous, dangerous place to be resentment, but you can come out of it. Hi, guys over there. Hi. Um, you withhold things from your partner that you know you would like to have from them. For example, you're not going to say, I love you first because he didn't say it first or she didn't say it first or I'm not going to initiate tonight because he should be initiating or she should be initiating, right? Like it's, I'm not going to do this extra nice thing for you because you should be doing these extra nice things for me. I'm not going to fill up your tank with gas because you didn't fill up mine. You know, it's those kinds of things. And that's when, that's when it's, it's, so it becomes passive, right? So, and another example of that would be, or another example of an emotional disconnectedness is when there's a lack of sexual desire. Like, you're having what I like to say is obligatory sex. Like, and maybe you're having a lot of it, but it's like, okay, this is what we do. This is going to make you happy, right? But it's not truly a desire. And that often happens when there's a diminished amount of physical contact. Like, because physical contact is really so important. Have you ever ta- how many of you guys have taken a fitness class before? Have you, <laughs> have, you, have you ever taken a yoga class where the instructor comes over and like just lightly touches you? It, how crazy is that where you're like, oh! <laughs> you are magical. Are you with me? Like, touch is crazy. You're like, well, I'm a lesbian now. We'll edit that out. <laughs> I just don't want to confuse my kids or anything. Um, but physical touch is a big deal. And physical touch is, it leads to emotional connectedness. It's, it's not always about, like, sometimes, um, especially women, I think we tend to, like, oh, if, well, if I touch them, <laughs> and, and <laughs> if I brush too closely near him, I'll be obligated. (laughs) Um, You know you're emotionally disconnected if you are thinking more often about the things that they're doing wrong than you are all the things that they're doing right and feeling like a sense of gratitude that you just can't find a way to express, like it's so deep. That's an emotional disconnectedness. And lastly is when there's an emotional disconnectedness for sure when suddenly your relationship is taken on a parent-child nature, right? Where it's like, I'll tell you what to do. I'll correct you when you've done whatever you've done. I'll let you know how you did it wrong. And then when you come back and show me your corrected work, (laughs) I'll have a new list for you, right? (laughs) I'll never forget. (laughs) She won't care that I tell the story. But a very close friend of mine was over for Thanksgiving dinner, and her husband always just gave the most beautiful prayers. So we asked him to give the prayer, and he started to give the prayer, and in the middle of it, she's like, don't say that. (laughs) And she corrected him like three times during his prayer, and he was all like, they're divorced now. But, you know, there's definitely, now when I think back on it, there's definitely that child-parent thing going on. And that's not a judgment thing. I've definitely been in that situation before, too, where you just got to catch yourself. And it's really, really hard when you're always right. (laughs) So hard. 
Um, but it is something you've got to catch yourself from doing. All right, so let's talk about how we can fix this. Yeah? You good with that? All right. But just out of curiosity, how many of you think like, oh, wow, I'm probably a little bit more on the disconnected side than connected. Just a little, dis- it's honest. Like, we were there too. Again, when this therapist said to us, like, you know, you really need to work on your intimacy, I'm like, <laughs> I don't have any more available nights. <laughs> And so, you know, the first thing I did is I bought a book about intimacy and started reading, like, okay, what is that? And what does that mean? And instead of being offended by her statement, just recognizing the things that we were doing unintentionally that were creating that disconnectedness and how much better it truly is to be emotionally connected. Like, the second half of our marriage is so much better than the first half of our marriage. And I think this can be true of any relationship, and it can certainly be true of even a new relationship. They say that disconnectedness sets in at about year three. Whether you're in a marriage or a committed relationship, it's about year three. If it's going to set in, that's where it starts to rear its head. Um, So how can we make sure that we aren't disconnected? Here's some steps. I hope you're taking notes. If not, there'll be a podcast you can (laughs) listen to later. Number one is experiencing a deep level of understanding of where they come from. Your partner is triggered by things as an adult that happened to them as a kid. Whether you know it or not. Whether they tell you, I, I don't even think about that. I, that never bothered me. It never bothered me that all these things happened. I'm over it. Well, that may be true, but they're also a human being. Things in our adult life trigger those childlike feelings in us, those insecurities. And we often take it personal. But if you understand your partner's past, like everything about it, and think about like, how would that translate? So what would that child have been feeling? So again, to share my own example, Brett grew up in a family where you know, his dad is like, he's the ultimate football coach. You know, he coaches you through everything. I remember the first time I had Thanksgiving dinner with them. We were just first dating, and my family's late to everything, and his family's like early for everything. And we walked in, and he's like, All right, everybody, grab your plates. Let's go. Grab your plates, grab your nuggets. Everybody, have a seat. Get your turkey, get your stuffing, get your mashed potatoes. Have a seat. Let's go. And I was like, (laughs) running around. And, you know, so that's like a perfectionist. The coach is always right. You don't question authority. Do it now. You don't have a voice, right? Like, I don't know if any of you have a kid who's played football, or maybe you played football, some of the, some of the many husbands who are here and gentlemen in the audience. But, you know, it's just an authority. So you don't talk back, and that's just kind of his dad's way. And so because of that, my, we didn't realize this until, you know, we did marriage counseling. That was why I never got his opinion. So I would say, do you want to do this? Like, does this sound fun to you? And he would go, sure, if that's what you want to do. And I interpreted that as just being, you know, just going with the flow. But that was a disconnectedness because he wasn't in a place where he felt safe to say, I actually don't want to do that. That doesn't sound fun to me at all. So he was just agreeing with things passively. And I was just going, well, you know, I wasn't giving him the space because a few times when he did try to tell me, I was like, no, we don't. That's not what we're feeling. And I would have 
have known that until I really started to understand like what childhood was like for him and for him to understand what childhood was like for me. That helps him understand when I ask a million questions, it's not that I don't agree with you. This is the way I grew up where things were like a collective decision. Ultimately, the parents had the final decision and the say, but in my house, my parents wanted to empower us to make the right decision for ourselves, so we got to ask lots of questions and figure out, is this the right thing? For, and we got to you know, kind of be inquisitive. And for him, think about it, if he were to be inquisitive with his dad, what would that have been? Disrespectful. So what am I being when I'm asking him lots of questions? Yeah, he's interpreting that as being disrespectful, and I'm just trying to get the information. The only way you're going to know this, if you ask a million deep questions. I can't tell you how many people I meet who've been married for like 10, 15, 20 years, and they don't know a lot about the interactions. They know generalities. Yeah, my, my dad was kind of disciplinarian. My mom uh, worked a lot, or my, my mom wasn't real touchy-feely, wasn't you know, a warm person. Well, what does that mean specifically? It's saying, it's asking the deep questions and having enough time and the space to hear the answer and to think about what the child felt, right? So it's to say, what does that mean? Like, when did you get hugs? Well, I didn't. Well, like, so if something bad happened and you were upset, would your mom give you a hug? No. And then it's to say, oh man, what was that like? How did it make you feel? And then it's, you get a deep level of understanding that when you have these major disagreements with each other, it's not personal. It's your adult way of trying to protect yourself, survive, right? Make sense of it. That's the first step, and that's getting, having a deeper understanding, which only comes from asking deep questions. You've got to put the pieces of the puzzle together. First half of my marriage, uh, of uh, my, my marriage, <laughs> first half of our marriage, I always felt like there was something I didn't know about my husband. You know what I mean? And I would ask kind of the surface questions. And I never asked the how that make you feel and what was that like so that someone could go, I can say this and it's okay. And it was only, you know, through the help of a therapist. And you hear me keep saying this because I really do want to desensitize therapy. And before there's a problem, you know, if you can, because it's just such a powerful, it's like you go to the dentist for your teeth. Why would you go to someone for your brain? Like, it's kind of a big organ, you know? Your relationships are kind of a big deal. They're probably more important than your cavities. I don't mean to offend any of the dentists, but that is something I had to learn how to ask instead of just always feeling like there was probably a deeper side to him that I didn't know. The next thing is you need to engage in physical touch. You need to be more physical. And, and by that I mean being the person who grabs the hand this is a, this is, I just pray my children don't listen to this, but uh, Brett and I went to, you know, we do our dinner dates regularly, and, you know, in preparation for tonight, I was reading a, refreshing a book that I love on intimacy, and under the table, I just, you know, with my shoe, like, did it, and we were married for, like, whatever, 23 years or four years, I don't know, and he was like... It was just kind of like hit his calf. <laughs> I mean, I'm, he knows I'm going to sleep naked with him later. <laughs> but you should have seen his face. He was like, 
so physical touch is a big deal. Um, <laughs> hug, kiss, touch. It's that flirtatious touch. It's that yoga instructor, right? Like, think about that. It's just the touch, right? And when we're really emotionally disconnected, that touch feels like an electric shock. You know when you've been, you're deep in thought, and then your spouse comes over, or your boyfriend, girlfriend, they, and they tap you, and you're like, what? Why are you touching me? I'm thinking. Rude, you're just always touching me, it's so rude. Okay, so now, your significant other touches you, and you respond that way, like, ah, or, or like, mm, you know how you do. And your partner grew up in a house where there wasn't a lot of physical touch. So what did you just trigger in them? Rejection. You don't get physical love. I don't want it from you. You don't deserve it. Like, think about the rejection that's felt. And that was a hard thing for me to learn. I, I was that girl who was like, will you not touch me when I'm working? You know, I have to just go, push it away, like, you know, and, and just, like, relax for a second and go, well, that was... Gosh, how lucky am I? How lucky am I that he wants to come over and kiss me on the neck? Like, how, what a am I to like be annoyed by that? And to just now, I just have a totally different perspective on that. And I'm like, ah, oh, how lucky, how lucky. So be the person who initiates that. Just physical. It, it's practice, right? But it does connect you on a more emotional level. My number three tip for you is, I think it's the ultimate one, which is just kindness. Be kind. Like, be kind or be alone. Right? Because, I mean, there's a much kinder way to ask for help. There's a kinder way to disagree. There's a kinder way to see that your partner's stressed out and needs something and to see it. There's a kinder, more respectful way to disagree. There's a kinder, more respectful way to get on the same page when it comes to parenting, your business, whatever it is, there's always a kinder way. And the absolute worst thing you can do is undermine your partner in the presence of anyone. Like that, if, if there's one thing to disagree or undermine them in private, when you do it publicly, you owe that person an apology. That cuts so deep. You know, the, the negative comments are the, you know when you're doing it too, because you're like, oh, this, would I want someone to paint me this way? Or how is this going to make this person feel? Like, it's just, if you care about your partner, you need to paint them, especially to other people, in such a way that they have as much admiration for him or her as you do. And that makes a person feel like, re like when I know you're my biggest fan, I love you. Like today I did a photo line at the Beachbody Summit. And when someone would come up, <laughs> when someone would come to me and they're like, I love you, I listen to your podcast, I'm your biggest fan, I'm like, well, I love you. <laughs> As opposed to someone who comes up and is like, hi, I, I, I won this, but I've never done any of your programs. I heard they're good. I can do live that I can't do on a podcast. <laughs> you guys think you can see I went like this. Um, so when you know someone's your biggest fan and you brag on them, 
oh my gosh, like that's a deep emotional connection. So make a note to like start bragging on your significant other. It's a big deal. Number four is you need to do more things together. My parents have been married for 52 years. Brett's parents have been married for 53 years. And they do everything together. Like, they're not at that stage where they're dressing alike, but it's close. (laughs) My dad hates golf. And my mom was, like, the state champ in high school, and she's still super competitive. So she loves to golf. My dad hates to golf, and he cheats, and he's horrible at it. Um, But he golfs with her at least once a week. My dad loves motorcycles. My mom does not. But she goes to all the motorcycle rallies with him. She goes to the motorcycle auctions with him. She goes to the motorcycle clubs with him. They do that together. Brett's father is a, a retired football coach, and his mom loves horses. It's like her life. And she drives like an hour out to stables to spend time with her horses. And Brett's dad just goes with her and sits and just watches her. <laughs> And it's the cutest thing because when you spend time together, you're appreciating what it is your partner loves. You don't have to love it, but it's really great if you can appreciate what they love. I enjoy football, but I was going to be at every game that my husband coached because I'm in such awe of what he does on the field or what he did on the field before he retired from coaching. And so it's not just like this is something we have to do together. Sometimes it's you going to just appreciate what they love. And that goes back to that empathy. It's spending time together. And I do think it's really important to find common interests. You don't have to have everything in common, but I, I do think it's really important if you can have something we both do together. And maybe that's coming up with something new or prioritizing that time that you used to do that together. Right? There are things that maybe you did when you first were married or first met each other that like maybe even that's how you met but life's gotten in the way and you don't prioritize doing that anymore where you need to number five is be a we not a me not an hour i especially see this where one partner's kind of dominant right like so i think in most relationships i like to say that there's an orange cone in the relationship and there's a bulldozer right So I'm the bulldozer, and Brett is the orange cone. He's going to make sure we don't die, that I don't bulldoze us off a cliff, right? How many of you are the orange cone? Hands up. The protector, like, okay, we should think about this first. Hold on. Don't kill anyone. Hands up, orange cones. Nice. Bulldozers. Yeah. A few more bulldozers in the room than there are orange cones. Bulldozers, we tend to a lot of my business... I said, my marriage, right? Like, we, we, we own things, and we drive the bulldozer, right? And that separates you. Just that language alone creates a disconnection, and your partner feels that. It's like, oh, that's yours? Oh, I thought we were in this marriage together. I didn't know it was yours, <laughs> right? Like, it's subtle. With network marketing and multi-level marketing, people who do that business, I've had the opportunity to work with a lot of different organizations. So this isn't specific to one specific multi-level marketing organization, but there's these terms and phrases that get used in almost all of them. doesn't matter whether it's Amway or Herbalife or whatever. I hear it all the time, one of the partners saying, and then I brought my partner home. 
And then I retired my husband. And then I retired my wife. And then I brought my wife home. And then I brought my husband home. I'm like, in what, a baby carriage? Like, <laughs> what could be more emasculating than like, and then I scooped up my husband in my arms and I carried him home like a little baby where I could take care of the family. It is horrible. Please stop saying that. It's just horrible. I think, it's my opinion, that there's nothing less sexy. There's nothing that's going to connect you about that phrase. It just makes the other person feel belittled. I don't care if they didn't do anything with your business. If you're in a relationship, it's together. It's your business, right? You didn't have the emotional stability to do that without your partner. So it's just not fair to say it's your business. You can say you're the front of it. That's fine. But I think we have to be very careful about those things. The other place where we have to be very, if we want to be connected for the we part of this, is we have to agree. We have to agree. We have to agree on parenting. We have to agree on finances. We have to agree on ethics. We have to agree on how we want to morally raise our children. We have to agree on what's healthy for us so that the bulldozer or the person who's kind of like the more domineering in the relationship, because there's always one, right? Right? That they don't just make all those decisions and it's like it's my way or the highway. There's no we in that. Then the other person, even if they're like just dealing with you, because it's just not worth, it's just, you know, I'm not going to win a battle, so I'm just going to do this. But what you don't realize is what's growing like a bacteria out of control is resentment. You know? I've shared the story on my podcast when, you know, Brett came home one day and walked through the doors and it was just one of those chaotic moments in our life where like everything was happening at once and the kids had just gone out of school for summer and it was just like chaos and he just walked, just as he was about to walk out the door, he just goes, when is this going to end? And I'm like, what end? He's like, just, ugh, all of this is... It's too much. And I'm like, again, I'm like, you are happy, mister. <laughs> but it was a different look in his eyes. It was the look of someone who had always agreed and always agreed and never, ever, ever said, I don't want to do that. So who's responsible? We both were. He never shared that with me. I never asked the deep questions to figure out why he wasn't comfortable doing that. But once we got there, I realized that we had become emotionally disconnected. And the good news is, you can turn that around. You know, but the first step, I think, is identifying that you're, we've got room to grow there, right? And I know what you're thinking is, well, don't both people have to be ready to emotionally connect? I tend to think that like, if one person is willing to do the work, the other person kind of follows, right? So, but one of you has to decide to be, as I like to say, the quiet hero, right? Like it's, you don't have resentment about it. You're not mad about it. You just know everyone's going to benefit in the long run. And especially if you have kids, everybody's going to benefit. I can't think of anything that's more powerful than when my kids say to Brett and I, then they say this all the time, our friends' parents aren't like you guys. They don't sit on the couch together, they don't hold hands, they don't kiss. All of my friends, parents, if they're together, they seem like they hate each other. They bicker, they fight. My kids say this to us all the time. And what that has done 
is giving me the peace of mind to know that we have role modeled to them what healthy, loving relationships look like. And I'm saying that coming from the perspective that we weren't there. Right? So, you know, without marital therapy, I know my kids wouldn't say that because there was a tension, a constant feeling of tension between us because I was always guessing and he was always suppressing. And so I was always trying to guess at what was making him a little irritable and he was just always saying yes. And so there is an opportunity for you to turn this around and it's really, really, really important to do if you have children, really important. Even if you don't have kids, it's really important for you to do because of your life, right? So when we are in an emotionally disconnected state, whether it's with our partner or even a best friend, it stimulates an area of your brain, the amygdala, it's like an almond-sized area of your brain, the mid-area of your brain, that makes us feel like we're in a heightened, stressed state. We become hypersensitive, so think about the last time you had major discord or disconnect with someone, and you can feel the disconnect. So think about someone right now where you're like, I feel the disconnect. And then when that person comes into the room or you see them or you think about them, that area of your brain gets hyper-stimulated. It produces a stress response. It produces a fight-or-flight response, which puts us in this state of like wanting to be right and argue and defend because it's fight-or-flight. It's not love. It's like, I'm right, and I'm not wrong. Right? And we feel this incredible tension when that happens. Being in emotional discord is really bad for you. It creates loneliness. It creates feelings of inadequacy. And it's really difficult to focus or get anything done when you've got that deep disconnection between you and your partner, or you even in a close friend, right? So it is really important that we work to change these things, and it is possible. But you've got to follow these steps, and here's my last tip for you. You have to be the one willing to initiate. That means you've got to change it up. It's often referred to as a bid. Like, you're the one who's like, I just, I don't feel like saying this right now, but I'm gonna say it anyways because the feelings will follow. And it's sending that person a beautiful text. It's not worrying about whether she has grabbed your hand recently, it's just reaching over and grabbing a hand. It's not worrying about whether they're gonna respond in defense. So it's initiating those things that are, feel like love. It's making the space to connect. And those of you who do date night, like even date night can become like a, a ritual, right? Change it up. Do something, go someplace new. You know, do something unexpected. That's what keeps things fresh and exciting. It lights up an area of our brain that stimulates those hormones that make us feel love and connectedness. A study by Gottman University found that the other really important element to couples who survive long-term is matching sleep times. <laughs> so you remember when y'all first met? <laughs> when you first met, raise your hand if you went to bed at the same time. Hands up if you went to bed at the same time when you first met. <laughs> at least that first night. <laughs> hands up, hands up. Get them up high. So everyone, pretty much. 
Yeah. And there's something to that because it is a circadian rhythm. And there is something that we're meant to sleep together. We're meant to be in the same. And I know he snores. And I, I know she wears a mask on her face and <laughs> all kinds of things. But it's really important for you to do that together. Because these studies have found that couples who get this go to bed and wake at the same time have a much deeper emotional connection. They share more hobbies, more interests, deeper conversations, and equal parts of responsibilities. There's a sense of disconnectedness. And you know, Brett and I go to bed at the same time. Most days we wake up at the same time, most days. But it's true that the days where I wake up like maybe an hour earlier than him and he's in bed, it's weird. I do feel a little less connected to him. Like when I see him later in the day, I'm like, well, how was your morning? You know, it's weird, but when we wake up at the same time, it really starts our day off right. And that's another thing that we were able to do, you know, kind of 2.0 marriages, instead of like going, okay, I'm going to make the breakfasts and you're going to drive him to school. It's like we kind of did those things together. And you share deeper conversations, you feel like a team, you feel more connected emotionally. And all of this... You know, it's stages and steps because we get in habits. But I want you to know that it's possible. And more importantly, I want you to know it's really, really important. It's important to your emotional health. It's important to the health of your relationships. It's important for your physical health. Like, it takes a toll on us physically. Like, it is stressful when you don't feel connected to your partner. And nothing feels better than when you have this, like, this deep uh, connection that's in your heart where you're thinking about them and you're worried about them and, and you know in advance kind of what they need and what would make them happy and instead of withholding it, you're actually giving it to them. So that's my challenge to you is to make some notes, like re-listen to this and make some notes and create a plan. If this is important to you, which I really hope it is, create a plan for yourself and just see what happens. See how it begins to reciprocate. Maybe you are in a place where you can talk to your partner about that, but be patient and then lastly, if you feel like there's so much resentment that this sounds too hard, see a therapist. Just you solo. I don't think you need to go initially. I'm sure I have some therapists in the audience. Would you agree that it's probably good to just go on your own first? Sometimes it's really hard to get your partner to go. They're like, I'll go, but you're the one with the problems. But I'll go. If you think that's what you need to do, I'll go. But... It's a tricky thing to get a partner to do with you. And so here's my last tip for you is if you're trying to get a partner to go to therapy with you, you tell them, I've got like some, some stuff that I know it would be helpful if you went with me because I need to work through some things. And I just want to be a better person. I think it would be super helpful if, if you could go with me. And not every therapist works well as a couples therapist. Like Brad had his own therapist. I had my own therapist. And then we had a separate therapist that was a marriage counselor. So... It just depends. But don't give up. It's like anything. You know, you go take one instructor's class or one trainer's class and you're like, not for me. And then another one, you're like, okay, that's my vibe. Like, you'll find your vibe. And it's really important to do. Thank you so much for spending this time with me here live at the Lily Theater. I guess we get to say it together because you are the bomb.com. Thank you. 
This episode has been brought to you by the Smart Life Push Journal. If you're the type of individual who loves to make lists, keep yourself on task, get organized, and there just don't seem to be enough hours in the day. This is a convenient, lightweight, simple to use 30-day system. This is not just a day planner. And learn how you can get your health, fitness, life, and goals organized and develop the laser focus you need to have the life that you deserve. Check it out. Go to smartlifepushjournal.com.